Welcome to the Loon Society, where I'm your host, Alex. Join me as we delve into the intricacies of the young professional journey, sharing stories, tips, and resources to navigate all things good, the bad, and the loony in this chapter of our lives. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Loon Society, where we talk about all things good, bad, and the loony in a life of a young professional. I'm following up with part two this week of burnout. We had Hunter on the show last week, and we talked about many things, but including how we are both feeling during law school, what are his tips, and stuff like that. This week, I wanted to follow up and give a little more in depth. One, um, how to actually avoid burnout. So if you're not already there, I hope you don't get there, but how to avoid it. But also if you're like me, where we're already in burnout, how we can get over it or just make life a little bit a little bit more manageable. And also just noticing the differences between burnout and stress because a lot of those symptoms could look the same, but there are some good differences that I think will be helpful if I can point out and show that maybe this is burnout or maybe this is stress because then you can take a different avenue or a different approach to get over those things. But first, I saw a quote and I really liked it. So I do want to share with everyone. I did share this on my Instagram as well. But essentially, burnout is an obstacle that we all face at one point or another. And you don't have to let it stop you. I think we all at one point or another are like, oh, we've hit a wall and we just want to stop. But if we do run into this wall, I don't want us to give up. I don't want us to turn around. I want us to face the wall face it and figure out how to climb it, whether that's going through it, walking around it, like I said, climbing over it, however that may be. If you are getting through this obstacle, you're going to be so proud of yourself and feel so good. And just knowing that if you can get through this, then you can get through just about anything because burnout literally sucks. So a little bit about me. I know this is going to be like week 10, I think, on the podcast. And I haven't shared a ton about me like I do here and there, but I want to share why I'm in a burnout phase. And I want to point this out because I do take very good care of my mental health or I'm very proactive about it. I do regularly see a therapist and I do regularly work out and eat healthy. Things that make me feel good and can release stress in any way, I really take advantage of. And I don't see a therapist because I'm forced to or anything like that. There's nothing wrong with that, but I choose to do it on and off. Whenever I feel like I don't need to see him anymore, I just stop seeing him. And then, you know, six or eight months go by and I'm like, okay, I find I found something new that, you know, I, I don't know really how to tackle and I want to have the best tools and resources to do that. So then I pick my sessions back up kind of where I left off and then we adjust for the goals that I have now. But I want to say that just because I do those things doesn't always mean that I'm feeling great 100% of the time. So not even law school. I know we talked about, about a lot about law school on this podcast, but this is just being a professional in general. I felt burnout in undergrad as well. Not as bad as I do now, but I did. So I did give a little background on this. I worked two jobs while going to undergrad, and then I had like a full-time program at night. So I worked during the day or on the weekends and I'd go to school at night, which was nice. I mean, I got to make money and I got to go to school and like nothing was affected in that sort of way. But 
I had to work. I didn't have like the option, which I enjoy working. It created a lot of discipline and a lot of grit and determination in me. So those are the qualities that I do um, cherish from all the opportunities that I have been given. But at the same time, I did hit burnout during undergrad because I was either, you know, working eight to nine hours a day and then I'd go to school for three to four hours at night. And it was just long days, long days, no breaks. And eventually it doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be in an environment that you enjoy and you're still pushing your limits and not taking breaks and you could still get burnt out. So it doesn't mean that I don't love my career because I do and I'm not unhappy or anything. I'm just in a season where I piled too many things on my plate and I realized that. And it's easier to burn out when you do that because you don't get the adequate rest and breaks that you need to rejuvenate and restart your motivation and energy and stuff like that. So the reason why I feel like I'm in a burnout stage now is because I I will give you like my kind of schedule. So I have class Monday through Thursday and I live in Detroit or like Metro Detroit area kind of. I live outside of Detroit. And on Mondays, I only have one class. They're like, oh, Alex, one class. It's not a big deal. The rest of my days are pretty crazy. So Mondays are like the one day I can like stay at home, work right up until school and then go to school. Tuesdays, I have class from nine until like six. I have a break sometime in the middle. Um, And then right from there, I drive from the Detroit area to East Lansing. And then I spend the night um, at my boyfriend's place. And then in the morning, I wake up, go to my externship in Lansing, spend half the day there. And then when 1230 hits, I leave to come back to Detroit to another class. And then I study and then I wake up again. And then Thursday, nine to six. And then this semester, especially Luke has been crazy busy and I am so proud of him, but He has been in the hospital with animals every weekend um, on call, or that's just when his shifts are. So I make an effort to see him every weekend, not just on Tuesday nights, because we don't really get to spend time together on those Tuesday nights, but also on the weekend. So I'll normally leave after class on Thursday night at six and drive to see him, which is like an hour 30, hour 40, uh, sometimes two hours if the traffic's really bad. And then I'll stay the weekend in East Lansing from Thursday night until Sunday, and then I will come home. So needless to say, I'm not at my apartment very often, which is nice for bills, but I'm very busy. And so a lot of my time is driving. I live half an hour away from school, so that's an hour drive a day. And then when I'm driving to Lansing, that's an hour and a half to two hours. Um, So a lot of my time is in the car right now, and a lot of my time is divided between I have Um, three main classes, a law review class where we are preparing to write our own article, but also source checking articles that will be published in our law review. And then I'm also writing memos for my externship. I'm a TA, like a teacher's assistant. So I'm helping students or grading. And let's see, what else do I do? Needless to say, I I have a lot going on, which I'm, I'm so grateful. I have so much fun and I'm not saying that to complain. I'm putting that into the perspective of this is my schedule right now. And it's been, you know, in law school, it's been straight go, go, go since I started. So I really haven't had a break. Needless to say, I'm so grateful and I have a great opportunity and I'm going to keep pushing, but it's inevitable burnout 
has hit and it will continue to hit because I am type A and I want to do as much as I can before I'm done with law school and check off all my boxes. And it tends to be when I'm like that, when I'm more type A and want to get everything done in short amount of time and put so much pressure on myself, I tend to burn out fairly quickly. And that's just human. Like that's normal. Feeling burnt out is normal, but I don't want to normalize it and saying, oh, I don't, you know, I don't feel motivated or anything because I'm burnt out. And then, you know, we start skipping out on the things that we need to do. I'm saying, hey, I feel burnt out. Let's address it. So today, that's what this is. Follow up part two. If you liked the episode with Hunter, I'd love to hear about it. But also he had some interesting things because he said that he lacks motivation. He is tired. He can't focus. But then I had some different ones like irritability and angry. And so those are just different um, symptoms that we both had um, that are just different. And it's okay that you don't have the same symptoms as everyone else. And it's okay that you don't feel the exact same way. You can be your own person and still be struggling and you don't have to compare your situation to someone else's because your feelings are valid and how you're feeling. You need to listen to that. But at the same time, let's take steps to improve it so we're not stuck in this burnout phase. So part one of this podcast or this week's episode is if you haven't hit burnout yet, but you feel like it's creeping into your life and you're like, Alex, I think I'm close. Let me tell you what, when burnout hits, you'll freaking know it. But if you feel like you're already losing motivation or, you know, things are starting to slow down and you're not as motivated or not as energized as normal, I have five tips to avoid it in general. So let's get into that first before I say, oh, you're already at burnout. Let's say you're on your way to burnout and you're like, I really don't want to hit that because it's a hard, hard hole to get out of. So as I was doing research, I was kind of researching what are like the symptoms of burnout or what are the symptoms of stress? And before I take a dive into avoiding it, or if you're already in burnout, I want to kind of differentiate between burnout and stress, because I think that's very important. I'm always stressed, but I could definitely tell the difference between being in a burnout phase and me being my normal, like stressful Alex self. So as I was researching this, a lot of them do overlap, but there are some distinct ones that I thought were pretty good to point out. So first, I'll go step by step, burnout this and then stress. So burnout, usually people suppress their emotions. And this is so true. Like when I am burnt out, like currently, I tend to not really feel anything or I'm very numb to a lot of things. And I don't want to talk about my feelings and I don't want to go to therapy and I don't want to confide in my friends. I just suppress all my emotions and just say, I'm going to get stuff done. I'm going to feel better. If I do this today or if I cross off all the stuff from my to-do list, I will feel better. On the other hand of that, stress is usually showing that you have uncontrollable emotions. And I can totally like look back or remember moments in my life where I was so overwhelmed and crying randomly and super angry or super irritable towards my family. And those were uncontrollable emotions. And right now I almost have no emotions. So definitely like 180. So, and don't get me wrong, you can be burnt out and stressed at the same time. But if you are like one or the other or kind of mix of both, these are some symptoms that you can like differentiate in your head. Oh yes, I'm burnt out and stressed because some days I have no emotions and some days I can't control them. 
women obviously have some other underlying issues. Like if you're having your week, you know, that could, that could also contribute to these symptoms as well. Burnout, you also could have emotional damage. So I think this is something that me and my therapist work on is, you know, knowing where I'm at, understanding, okay, this is how I feel in the moment and not ignoring that because the more that I push off my emotions or how I'm feeling tends to lead to lead to some pretty self-disastrous results. And I don't want to make myself worse. I want to make myself better. But stress, on the other hand, could also lead to physical damage. So this can make you more prone to getting sick or it could result in some actual diagnosis or conditions that you never had before. So I have shared with you guys that I have gastroparesis, which is paralysis of my stomach. Um, I'm so fortunate that I'm so far not as severe as some other people, but we don't know why I have it. And so I was looking up symptoms of gastroparesis or like how you could get it. And one of them is stress. My doctors think it's from my other surgeries, but just saying some of these conditions can be stress induced. So keep in mind, you can also be physically hurting yourself because you are so stressed and not getting that under control. Burnout also shows like a loss of hope and motivation. Loss of motivation is like the overarching kind of symptom that I get for myself and that I hear from all my friends or other people when they're in these high stress or um, high professional environments. Loss of motivation tends to be like the number one and then we procrastinate and then we have to rush and get stuff done. It just seems to be like in this bad cycle. Some people perform amazing. Like that is just how they roll. Others, like me, I'm very like, I have to do this every single day and I have to practice every day and I have to update my outlines and I have to go through everything and be very on top of it. If I wait till last minute and then procrastinate and then I get in my head saying I'm going to fail because I didn't put enough time into it, for me, it would be a very unhealthy cycle. For others, I wish I was like that, but I'm not. But for others, that's just like their normal routine. So if that's normal for them, then clearly this isn't a sign. It's just their normal you know, day to day. But for me, loss of motivation means me not doing my stuff. Like tonight, I had to totally convince myself if I, you know, sat down for four hours and I studied and I got all this done, my tomorrow self will feel better. It's just a lot of motivation, a lot of um, self-positive talk and <laughs> just saying, you know, tomorrow will be better. Your tomorrow self will be happier and less stressed. So really just convincing myself. On the other hand, stress is loss of energy. And I think I notice this a lot when I'm super stressed because I get very tired and I want to sleep and I go for like, you know, five hours and like, oh, I need a break. I need to like sleep. A couple of days ago, I was really stressed out about my car because I had to take my car to the shop within, you know, three weeks. I had to take it to the shop twice and I had to drop quite a bit of money on my car and I was so stressed out. I like couldn't think about anything else. I was so focused on my car and I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to cost me so much money. I saved up money and now it's going to be gone. And I was so stressed out that I like got myself sick. And so ultimately physical damage and loss of energy. And then it took me like two days to like finally feel better. So I, I definitely know the difference between stress and burnout. And if you don't, you know, go through these very often, maybe you won't know, but Sadly, I go through these quite often, so I have been able to tell the differences. And then also with burnout, there's a stronger feeling of hopelessness, uh, more so because burnout does seem very overwhelming. It seems like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. 
and you're like, how can I get through this? Like, I haven't felt this low or this unmotivated or like I literally can't do anything ever or in so long. Sadly, that is one of the symptoms of burnout is you just feel like you can't do anything and it's not going to get better, but it will. I hope some of these steps that I have included in this podcast will help, but that um, is definitely a sign and you're not alone. I have felt hopeless before. Sadly, everyone's different and it might last longer than others, but mine ebbs and flows. I'll say like, I'll get myself really motivated and then I'll have like a huge crash and it's like kind of a roller coaster for me. But for stress, there's more of a sense of urgency. Like you can't calm down. You have to do this in a rush. One thing after another, that's true. When I had my car in the shop, I was very anxious and just urgent to get everything done and get my car back and get it paid for. And long story short, those feelings are very different. And I think you have to be in touch with yourself and understand your emotions to really tell the difference. This has taken me a long time and sitting down with myself and being honest, like, how am I feeling? What does this feel like? Why? How is this different from other feelings that I've had? And being able to identify those, it does take practice, but they are different feelings for sure. So those are the differences between burnout and stress. And I think those are important to highlight because I feel like we kind of jumble all that together, like mental health, we kind of bundle it into one thing, but there are separate components to each thing. And burnout is definitely different than stress. And it's definitely different than depression. And it's different than anxiety. All of those have overlapping symptoms, but they really are different. And there's different ways that you can um, tackle those. So before I get into actual burnout, let's say you're not, you're not there yet, or you are there and you got out of it. And now you're like, okay, I just want to avoid it. I want to avoid burnout altogether. Well, I'm your gal. I have five things that hopefully can help you. And these might not be for you. You might find something that works for you and is not in this list. I just kind of came up with like an overarching list and hopefully one of these things work. Not all five of these work for me. So just to put that out there, not all these work for me and I try to do them all, but my lifestyle doesn't always have time for them or I'm just really bad at implementing them. I'll call myself out. Sometimes I'm really bad at implementing what I want to do because I'm so focused on school, but I'm working on it. And that's the thing with burnout. You can get really focused on one thing and one thing only, and then kind of eliminate everything else that helps you. So just keep that in mind. But five steps to actually avoid burnout. Number one, set boundaries. I'm horrible at this. Horrible. I'm good at setting boundaries. No, just kidding. I I can't even say that. Set boundaries in every aspect of your life. With your friends, with your food, with your workouts, with school, with work. To maintain a healthy lifestyle, people need to set boundaries. I'm fully calling myself out right now. I don't set boundaries with school. I don't set boundaries with work. I don't set boundaries with my workouts. I sometimes set boundaries with people. I'm not saying this because you're like, oh, Alex, you're not following it. Why should I? I said not all of these will work for me, but they might work for you. I'm working on it though. My friends have seen me grow over this year about how I actually take breaks from school. If I don't feel well, I actually stay home from school. I don't push through. If I don't want to talk to people, I set those boundaries being a TA, I set those boundaries. I'm getting better, 
But I have read that one of the best things to do to avoid burnout is set those boundaries because when the boundary is hit, you're done. That's it. No more going back to it until the next day or however long it takes for you to reset. But once you hit the boundary, you can't go over it. Um, Number two is to plan. So as I had the previous podcast or the solo podcast, Time Management, this one I'm great at and I love it and it makes me feel so good to plan and have my day planned out and get things done and I just feel like a badass. That helps reduce burnout is if you can plan and time out your day. I will say setting boundaries and time management do go hand in hand, especially like at the beginning and the end of your day. When I plan or time manage my day and I have like a cutoff time at, let's say 10 o'clock tonight will be my cutoff. When I time manage, that's my boundary. I'm done with school at 10 o'clock and I have planned for that. So they can go hand in hand. Number three is self-care. This one's hard for me. I don't know why, but I don't put myself first in a lot of situations. I like to help other people. I like to see that I get my stuff done. I have obligations. I want to get those done. But I have to remember, like, at the end of the day, I am human. And if I don't take care of myself, it doesn't matter what I feel like or what others feel like or if I have obligations. They won't get done. So I am getting better at this little by little. Self-care number one for me this week, I bought some pretty, I can't even say expensive face wash and face moisturizer. Or I don't know when it got this expensive, but it's the most expensive ones I bought for myself. I'm going to count that as self-care this week because my skin has been breaking out like crazy and I want to be better at that. So it could be from stress. Who knows? But self-care for sure. These can include activities for health, like working out, relaxing. Like when I relax, I like to watch reality TV. I've said that before. It's because it shuts off my brain and I don't think about anything else. Um, I know I've colored before. I do podcasting episodes call my family when I don't want to do anything. Like I've said, I call my mom or my grandpa. My grandpa and I talk um, just about every day, probably twice a day if I'm being honest. Um, He likes to call me about the dog or how my grandma's doing. And so planning those out in my day and just remembering to do them, whether it's five minutes or an hour or a couple hours, whatever it may be, self-care is probably one of the most important, um, especially because it just has so many benefits. And It's the things that really get you through the day because you look forward to them. So I think it's one of the most important, if not the most important. Number four is eat and move. I know I said like activities for health, but also like having a good diet, not even diet, diet's the wrong word, having a good eating habit. So I used to eat ice cream after every single time I studied to reward myself, um, But then I realized, okay, maybe that's not the best for me. So now I traded it for yogurt and dark chocolate and peanut butter. Pretty much tastes the same, if I'm being honest, because I always got chocolate ice cream and put peanut butter on top. So eating healthy, whatever that looks like for you, my eating looks totally different than my friends because gastroparesis, I can only be eating certain things and certain amounts and certain portion sizes. And it just looks way different. And so I've learned not to compare my eating to others because it just, it looks so different and that's okay. But it, it's what works for me and it's what's healthy for me. And I meet with a nutritionist and I know that whatever she tells me, she's certified and licensed. So I trust her. And if I'm not worrying about food, that's amazing because I used to worry about it all the time. Also moving, walking, anything, yoga, 
Seriously, anything to get your blood flowing, oxygen moving, whatever that is, just do it. Whether it's five minutes or longer a day, it doesn't need to be very long. Something to just move. I know that I am sitting in a chair all day long because I'm in class or I'm studying or making a podcast, whatever that may be, eating healthy and moving your body so healthy, especially for your immune system. It's getting colder here. It's getting winter time. We had snow last night. So those things are so important to implement into your daily routine. And then number five, last one is to treat yourself. I used to treat myself with ice cream, but I found healthier things to do. But also for me, treating myself is to reality TV, whatever that is. Right now I'm watching the bold type. So good. No man is probably going to like it, but women would like it. It's about three bold women. And I, I think it's funny and I can relate to some of it. So I think it's good. And at the end of the day, it calms me down and relaxes me so I can go to bed without thinking in the middle of the night, oh, am I violating the first amendment or something? Cause I had a weird dream. Constitutional law. I know that's a very nerdy joke, but Long story short, it just helps me relax for the night. And I know your night routine is supposed to be like the most important, but right now my night routine works. I have tea. I watch TV. I sit on the couch. I don't sit in bed. I do not go in my bedroom to sit in bed until I literally am like about to fall asleep because I've learned that if you associate bed, your bed with other things and your body doesn't go to sleep as easily. So I have learned that. Um, but whatever it works, whatever works for you, treat yourself in ways that you can relax and it doesn't feel draining. So those are the five things to avoid burnout. But if you're like me, honey, we're already in burnout. Damn, we're already in it. And then you're like, what the fuck do I do now? Let me tell you, I'm still figuring it out, but I wrote down like 11 ish, 12 things. Um, that I've either realized throughout my burnout season that have helped temporarily or that could possibly help you guys. So, sorry, I just took a drink. So, let me see. Some of these kind of replicate each other from avoiding burnout to getting through burnout. But let's just dive into it. One through 12. Number one, again, setting boundaries. Oh God, why am I repeating myself? Boundaries are so important. I have realized that and I'm implementing them. But honestly, when you're in burnout, you can really get stuck in these cycles of just go, 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 no stop. I am always in that cycle most of the time. And I have to have my boyfriend or my family or my friends remind me like, hey, it's okay to take a break. When you're tired, you're not going to remember anyway. So setting those boundaries with myself, I think that's the hardest part because you could lie to everyone and be like, oh yeah, I took a break today, but only you know the truth and you have to live with that. So setting boundaries with myself, specifically when I'm in the burnout season is definitely the hardest, but it's what I need to do. And I need to call myself out. I sat here for three and a half hours and never got up from my chair one time. And I was like, okay, yeah, time went by pretty fast, but um, Alex, we didn't drink water. We didn't go pee. We didn't get up. We didn't have a snack. What the hell? Like, yeah, it's cool. I got a lot done, but geez, we should get up and move around, move our body, eat some good food, drink water, all the things I should be doing, right? I'm working on it, but setting boundaries with yourself and everyone around you, but specifically yourself. 
Number two is develop a self-care routine. As I said, I got some new face wash and moisturizer, but self-care can be anything. It can be from doing your nails, doing your eyebrows, whitening your teeth, doing your makeup sometimes, dressing up, going for a walk, working out. Self-care can look different in everyone's life and it just depends who you are, but whatever self-care routine you come up with, try to stick to it. I do a night routine where I wipe my teeth every night and I watch TV. That's kind of like my self-care routine right now. Um, I'm going to try some new skincare techniques as I've been going through Pinterest and doing my research and what works and what doesn't work. And I have acne prone skin, but I also have super dry skin. So what works with that? Very exciting new stuff. I don't know anything about it. So I'm excited to learn, but just developing something that makes you feel good and that you can implement into your life that doesn't take a lot of time or effort. It just feels good to do. And then number three, my worst habit. I don't take breaks, but number three is you should take breaks. Let me say that again. I should take breaks. You should take breaks. We should all take breaks. I'm so bad at it. I could... I could literally go like eight hours without taking a break. Like I, I just have hyper focus that I can just do that. And I'm so thankful because my friends don't have that. They have other issues that distract them and they can't sit down for that long. And they're like, Alex, I wish I had that. And I'm like, honestly, it's great. Don't get me wrong. But like, I never take a break and I, I forget and I need to, like, it can be super unhealthy, but seriously, take breaks, set an alarm, set a timer every hour, take a break. That's what I normally do is every hour on the hour, I have an alarm that goes off. That's like break time, five minutes, break time, 10 minutes, 15, however long I want to take the break. I usually don't harp on that. It's just however I'm feeling, but I have read if you can focus for 60 minutes straight, and you take those breaks, you're actually be more productive. So taking breaks is actually way healthier than just like pushing through because you'll also give your brain a break and then you can go back to it with a fresh mind and actually comprehend more and be more involved with it. Number four is find someone to talk to. I'm very fortunate and I have an abundant amount of people to talk to. I have Luke, which I usually confide in the most. I talk to him every day, usually all day when I can, when he's not the hospital with his animals or doing schoolwork, but he's the one person I talk to everything about, no matter what it is, what's ever in my mind, whether it's a phone call or a text or in person. But my second person is probably my grandma. I talk to her about everything. Um, so it's, it's good to have more than one person. That way, if that person really isn't available and you need someone to talk to, like right then and there, it's always good to have someone else to talk to. But I definitely have a good support system. So I think it's just finding those people to talk to and have your back. It is of the utmost importance, honestly, because there is no way I could do this degree on my own. There is no way I could do this without the support of others. Whether that's your family or friends or adopted family, whatever that may be, it doesn't have to be blood related. Some of my family's family members don't support me and that's okay. But I know that I have so much love and support in my corner that the days that I want to give up, I, I think of them. And then I'm like, okay, I can talk to them about what's going on and I don't feel ashamed. And then they pick me right back up. It takes a little bit longer sometimes because I'm in my head quite a bit and I don't want to listen 
or hear their advice or admit that they're right per usual. So it does take me a little longer to come around, but having that outlet to talk to is very nice. And number five, you could always pay for support. I do this. Not only do I have free people to talk to, like my family and my boyfriend, but I also pay to see a therapist because I sometimes want like a third party, neutral, like can look at the whole picture, pros and cons and give it, give me the advice like straight up. Hey, we need to get our shit together. Or hey, I see you're struggling. Let's think of some ways or different avenues that you could take that you haven't done before that could actually help or give you a fresh perspective. Something like that. But I also grew up in an environment where therapy was not normal, but supported. None of my family went to therapy, but as a young um, child, I went to therapy. And more so, trying to think of when I started. I think I started when I was like five or six. I don't know, but I've been going to therapy my whole life. And eventually, I didn't have to go to therapy anymore. It was court-ordered when I was young. But then I, I liked it. And I liked having someone I could go to that everything was confidential. I knew they couldn't talk about it to anyone else. Um, they could think of me however they wanted, but I would never know. And they listened to me and they gave, they gave great advice and they were licensed professionals. And I wasn't a burden to my family because I got to fix my own issues and things that were bothering me on my own and then come to them when I was ready and didn't put the burden on them to help me. So it's nice to pay for support. I mean, most of my insurance covers it, but I still pay a small fee. But even if you don't have insurance, maybe your school or your work offers it, it's always good to ask those questions, especially because therapy is just something that I think everyone should utilize if they can or if they need it because it has helped me in so many ways that I honestly can't put into words. And then number six, eventually there comes a point where you need to ask for help. Whether that's from your employer, like, hey, I need to shift my deadline around or I need some leeway this week or something or school, same thing. Or you're just like, hey, to your friends, I need help. Can you look over this? Can you help me? Bounce your ideas off your coworkers or your other students in your class. Whatever that may be, just think about the different ways that you could ask for help and what you need. And then ask for it because it is so, so worth it to not go through through things alone or try to finish them on your own. Life is all about helping people and helping each other grow and work towards, towards their goals. And I know I've asked people for notes and like when I miss a day, hey, can you send me that or can you help me or can we go through this to understand it because I'm not quite sure how this works. It's just so important to be comfortable with asking for help because Sometimes we, we just can't do it all. And that's okay. That's part of being human. Number seven, I can't do this, but you know what? I'm going to put this out there, manifest it for all you. Go on a vacation, whether it's a day, a daycation, a weekend, a week, a couple weeks, a month, whatever works for your budget and your time, take a vacation. Luke and I are going to a concert this month. I'm going to consider that a vacation at night after class. It's a couple hours where I don't have to do anything and just enjoy my time with him and an artist that we like. And to me, that's a vacation. We don't really get them very often. So it's nice when we do have those nights off. I consider those vacations. Um, but we are also planning a vacation later next year when he graduates. 
So just putting those on your radar, whether you can take one now or just planning one for the future, something to look forward to really does help um, break up that burnout phase. And number eight, uh, eliminate stressors. This can be anything from people to projects uh, to overloading your plate like me. Um, And it might not be able to get fixed right then and there, but you could plan for your future to not include so many things or not be around those people or not take on those projects. Kind of figure out where your stressors are coming coming from and then evaluate it and then change your schedule and then change what you're doing and what you're including in your life and who you're surrounding yourself with, especially if it's people who at the end of the day you feel drained when you're around them after you leave. Those are probably the people you don't want to be around in your burnout season or just in general or have that conversation like, hey, you're one of my great friends. I feel burnt out when I leave your presence or I feel drained. What's going on? You know, so just being open, open communication, but also just eliminating those stressors because external circumstances can affect your burnout and make it worse. Number nine, this goes also with eliminate your stressors, but evaluate your relationship. So are you spending time with people who fill up your cup instead of emptying your cup? I have been very mindful about this lately, especially this year, and I have reconnected with friends and strengthened my friendships that truly do bring me joy and fill up my cup and I really just don't have to worry about like I could go six months without talking to them and then I reach out and it's like we have been talking every day. So really invest in those relationships. Invest in the ones that honestly make your life better, make things easier and make the time that you have off from school, whether you're hanging out with them or reaching out to them to catch up. If you feel fulfilled and loved and feel whole by those relationships, keep them around and then evaluate the ones that aren't doing that and then decide from there what to do. And then this one's really hard for me. This is number 10. Adjust your standards. Oh Lord, I need to do this. I've tried multiple times. I've wrote out my goals multiple times, wrote out my habits to meet the goals multiple times. And guess what? My standards get higher and higher and higher. So adjust your standards based on how you're feeling, seriously, because if you set a standard that's so high and an expectation that's not attainable, you're going to get burnt out so fast and then feel worse because you didn't meet it and then you're disappointed. It's a losing battle. So I had to adjust my standards based on how much I get done in a day, what grade point average I'm shooting for, how many days off I can take, when I can go see Luke. I really had to adjust my lifestyle and what I thought of it and kind of how it worked, especially this semester. I feel like my life just like took a 180 um, busyness wise. Just I was like, I was super busy. And then somehow I got even busier. I don't even know how that happened, but I really had to adjust my standards. How long can I study? Not as long as I used to be able to. I'm devoted to so many different things, different organizations at school externship, different classes, friends, family. I had a lot of family stuff go on this semester. And I quite frankly couldn't give 100% to school every day all the time like I did last year. And I had a lot of external obligations that I had to meet this semester. And I really did have to adjust my standards that I couldn't spend 
eight hours a day studying this year. I couldn't spend every hour of the day reading, studying, reading, studying. I had to spend time writing for my externship, working. Well, I worked last year, but just working, going to see my family every weekend on the other side of the state, going to see Luke. He couldn't come here, so I had to drive there twice a week. And I'm so thankful because I get to do that. But I had to adjust my standards based on what school is like because I have a life outside of school. And I need to take advantage of that because you never know what can happen. Anything could happen at any given moment. And I don't want to wake up or have a text that something happened and I regret not taking the time to see them or I regret not having that phone call. So just adjusting my standards, what's really important, family, of course, things outside of school, school, school at the end of the day, doesn't define me as a future lawyer. I just need to get through it. But easier said than done for sure. But I think we all can adjust our standards to be more attainable and not put so much pressure on ourselves because then if we're not putting so much pressure on ourselves, it is easier to meet the goals that we have set. This one's hilarious. I wrote this down and I was like, oh God, I definitely am not listening to this right now, but I will be next semester. Number 11 is do less. I hope everyone who got this far in the podcast is like, yes, Alex, you need to do less. I agree. But I'm also talking to you too. So do less. It sounds counterintuitive because you're like, oh, I have to be productive. So why would I do less? But sometimes we're just busy to be busy and we need to be productive, not just busy. So if we're doing something, set a time, get it done and be done. We don't need to waste our time. We don't need to procrastinate, be on our phones, do less. Next semester, I will be doing less and I'll be devoting more of my time to just classes. But also like with the podcast, before I spent tons of time like re-recording and looking up stuff. And now I'm just having a conversation. It, it flows so much better. It's way more fun, less pressure. It just works. But also, we don't need to fill up our schedules to the, the full max amount that we have in the hours of the day. I'm guilty of this. I keep doing this over and over after my boyfriend reminds me, write that down that you say you're going to do less because I don't believe you. But Luke, if you're listening, I promise I'll do less, especially next semester. But it is important. I think, especially me, I can speak for my own life. I pick up way too much. I spread myself very thin and then burn the candle at both ends. Um, I've been doing that as long as I can remember. And I'm finally to the point where I'm like, okay, my body can't keep up. Like I need to do less to make my life sustainable and treat my body good and healthy and take care of myself. So I would give this to my give this advice to myself and you. Let's start doing less and give more quality work. That's the best way I can put it. And number 12 is just baby steps. I feel like when burnout hits, I want to do everything at once and I set these unattainable goals per day to get stuff done. And in reality, if I just do things little by little every day, baby steps, it will get done. It just might not get done the day that I want it to, but I can guarantee it will get done. So burnout hits people differently. And those are the 12 things that I have to say that I think can help either make burnout better or even help you get out of 
this season of burnout because burnout is awful. I don't envy people who are in burnout. I'm certainly unhappy when I'm in burnout. And I have days where I feel like I'm on top of the world and I'm like, oh, yes, finally, I am out of this rut that I've been in. But joke's on me. It comes back the next day. So as I've been speaking to like my friends and my family and my therapist, like burnout can come in waves, but you can also get over it. And this is just a season in our lives that we have to get through. But it does take effort. It takes time. It takes getting to know yourself and really knowing your feelings and how you handle stress and how to handle it better. And so a lot of this is like very general and yes, they could help you. But at the end of the day, you also need to sit with yourself and get to know you, who you are, how you work, how are you productive, where could you spend less time doing things that you think are productive but are actually just busy work, and where you could spend more time with friends and family. I think I need to do this. I need to sit down and evaluate my life and see where am I wasting that time, just like time management. I think we could schedule time into our days to schedule these things so we do avoid burnout or get out of the rut that we're in. Ultimately, burnout's a season. It's temporary. I know we might not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel right now, but it's there. And I just want to say I have made it through and yes, I'm back in it, but I know I've made it through and I can keep going. So if you are feeling burnt out and you'd like someone to talk to, please reach out to me. If you have symptoms that I didn't say or you have things that were on this list that have helped you, I'd love to hear them and I'd love to be able to share them with others because maybe things I'm saying aren't clicking or they don't work for people. And that's okay. I don't know everything. But these are just some of the things that I know that have helped me. But everyone has their own unique story and I'd love to hear it. So if you are feeling burnt out or going through something that has impacted your life in a certain way or you have tips or tricks on how to get through this, I'd love to hear it and I'd love to share it with everyone or not. If you want to keep it confidential, that's fine too. I would never say anyone's name either if you ever did want to come talk to me. But if you have tips, I would just love to share with everyone else. So I hope that you loved part one. Part one was like a fun twist on burnout, funny stories, great friends. This one was kind of more serious, but hopefully wrapping up part one into part two how to avoid it, but also how to get through it once you're there. So I hope you enjoyed today. I hope that this new season of health and wellness brings you out of burnout. And I just pray that the next season is filled with joy and happiness and less stress. But as always, I'm here and I will see you all next week. Thank you for joining me on this journey through the good, the bad, and the loony in the aspects of a life of a young professional. Your support means the world to me, and I appreciate every moment you've spent listening. If you found value or entertainment in today's episode, I'd be honored if you could share it with your friends and family. By doing so, this helps spread the word and build a community of like-minded individuals who are curious, compassionate, and willing to explore life's many facets together. Stay tuned for more meaningful conversations and memorable moments in the episodes ahead. Your participation makes it all the more special. Thanks for being part of the Loon Society. 